Wow, I completely forgot about the hot chick. Who the fuck am I? Can't forget about the hot chick. I already did. Phenomenal movie. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. I was going to stick this in your box, but I figured I'd come check on y'all. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. A total joke, a waste of time. Or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast, and this week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Maybe we should wait for when my hand's not bigger than your whole face. The classic horror connoisseur, Sean. You guys gotta see this. This is like a floppy anteater. And the paranormal paramour, Binks. Don't underestimate a strange white man's propensity for violence. The people have spoken and our patrons have decided we're checking out a Blumhouse film that released back in 2020. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. We recently watched The Witch from 2015, and um, I thought it was fantastic. I really loved it. But we wanted to know what you all thought. So 21% of you gave it a hack, and 79% slashed it. I'm honestly surprised it was so much hack. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard a lot of mixed things, friends and stuff, that uh, I knew enough people that didn't like it to kind of, that doesn't super surprise me, but um, but I agree. I thought it was fantastic. I have to be honest, friends, I actually haven't seen this movie yet, so seeing this high rating of a slash has me excited. Um, I know enough about the, what happens in the movie, unfortunately. Nonetheless, I still want to watch it. I'm looking forward to seeing what this is all about. Well, we have some comments from people who want to live deliciously. Katie says, Black Phillip is so cute. Agreed. What a great goat. Oh, yeah. Caleb said, very eerie, insane last shot, and Anya Taylor-Joy is phenomenal. An icon, a legend. I agree. That last shot was amazing. Gabe said, it's like watching The Thing on a snowy day. The witch is perfect for those gray-ass days. All right. Thanks, Gabe. Now I know for the next gray-ass day, I'm diving right in. Diana says, old Tommy horror at its finest. If anything, this makes me want to be a witch even more. Honestly, best summation of the movie right there. Leia said, gave me the feeling of how much religion really put fear into people back then. Facts. And Matches says, a masterclass in slow building dread. I'm with that. Jake said, thou slasheth the devilishly sinister filmeth. Anya Joy is the besteth. It's the goateth. <laughs> wow. You know what? Look, commitment to a bit is something that I really admire in people. It's something that I commit to as well. So thank you, Jake. And not only for that great comment, because our patron Jake actually sent us a care package and in it, he included a beautiful print of Black Philip himself in all his goatee glory uh, to honor the film getting a universal slash from our panel. So thank you, sir. I promise you, if we ever have a centralized hacker slash headquarters set up, it's going to be the first thing we hang on the wall. That's awesome. There will be key cards, though, to just to get in, you know? There has to be. You love a good key card. A- absolutely. What are we, barbarians with actual keys? Fuck that. <laughs> Never going back, baby. Never going back. Now we have some new patrons to welcome. Chelsea, Katie, and Peyton, thank you for becoming part of the Hacker Slash fam. Uh, we love you. And uh, most importantly, we care about you. That's our follow-up. Well, while our patrons were certainly fans of The Witch, this month they decided to infuse something a little bit more fun into the lineup. This week's film takes a classic body swap conundrum and spices it up with a little bit of murder. The movie follows a high school girl who has swapped bodies with a local slasher, and she's in a race against the clock to both stop the bloodshed and reclaim her body. This week, after winning 67% of the overall patron vote, we're talking about Freaky. 
This movie was nominated by our patron, Ashley. She says, This movie feels like it was practically made for me. A horror spin on Freaky Friday? Yes, please. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn both play their roles really well, and Vaughn is particularly impressive. The opening of this movie is one of my favorite opening scenes in recent years, and the gore in this movie feels like the perfect amount. We also get a good balance of horror and comedy, with a couple of heartfelt moments sprinkled in. This movie's only flaw in my book is a really bad joke early on. But other than that, it's damn near perfect. Mmm, damn near perfect is high praise, Ashley. But let's see if the rest of us agree. Who's seen this one before? So I thought that I had seen this one before for some reason. It looked familiar uh, when I found out we were going to um, review this one. But uh, maybe it's because I saw the trailer a couple years back when it was coming out. But yeah, no, that being said, once I put this on, I realized I had never seen this one before. Yeah, me too, actually. I thought that I had seen this movie, but I guess it was just the trailer. So this is my first time watching it. And I was really surprised that this was selected as a patron pick. I think it's because I kind of forgot that this movie existed until it was voted in and I'm surprised because it is a Blumhouse film and I love Vince Vaughn but this movie just went under the radar for me so I was really looking forward to going into this review with a fresh set of opinions. I have seen this before. We we actually watched this a couple months ago back when it was like streaming for free on HBO Max. I guess not for free because you're paying for it but this was one that my wife and I were just like had a lazy day and we're like we need to watch some TV. What do we want to watch? Let's watch a movie and we're just browsing going well like we still have a trailer for this it kind of looks fun. Let's Let's hit play. So this would be my second viewing now. Okay, well, I think you're the most experienced one here, Mac, because I have not seen this movie. Obviously, I've seen Freaky Friday. I love a good Blumhouse production, but this is one that I intended to watch and just happened to not get around to it uh, when this movie actually came out in 2020. And so I thought, I'm sure we'll get to it one day on the show. And here we are two years later, finally. In terms of expectations, though, I had such mixed feelings going into this. On the one hand, it gave me the impression that it would be similar to Happy Death Day. But for some reason, I felt like it probably wouldn't be quite as clever. But the other hand, you said you love Vince Vaughn. I am so hot and cold about Vince Vaughn. There are some things I enjoy him in and some things I can't fucking stand him in. It's not It's not like I hate him. He's not on my short list of actors who I cannot watch anything that they're in. But I was most anxious and hesitant to see how he would feel in this movie for me. I did, though actually go through this house at Halloween Horror Nights and you kind of open, you walk through with the opening scene of this movie. So while I had an idea of how some things would go, I did have some high expectations for the gore since I saw how some of the kills would play out. That's interesting. I didn't know they did a house for this at at Halloween Horror Nights. It was combined. It was this and the black phone put together. And man, that was like one of the best attractions. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, All right, cool. What Was that this year, last year, two years ago? This year, baby. Okay. All right. Cool. I missed out. It was Halloween, then the Blumhouse house for me. Yeah. I know the Halloween house was a was a favorite for sure. I'm really upset that I didn't go, but it is what it is. You know, my expectations uh, for this one, it, it, you know, I don't know. It had fairly high ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it had like a, it's maintained like an 83% or something like that. So it also has a, a fairly high rating from the general audience. So I was expecting this movie to be a pretty decent film. You don't often see horror films that maintain high ratings like that these days. You know, also to your point, Chris, it's not that I don't like Vince Vaughn, but Vince Vaughn and horror movies, somehow that pairing doesn't sit right with me. 
Oh, it's because of the Shot for Shot remake of Psycho, except add Vince Vaughn masturbating in it. Fucking bizarre. Yeah, I did not like that one. I, I think, Chris, I'm kind of like you. I was expecting to get some major Happy Death Day vibes. I don't even know if I had actually seen that before we watched this at home. But for some reason, like the trailers felt really similar. Like It felt funny, but it also felt like kind of a modern horror modern slasher kind of situation i know you and i got to watch together there what was it gosh the name of the movie there's there's someone in your house there's someone in your house yes okay so like it's got that more like polished feel to it but it still plays upon you know classic uh, slasher feels so that's what i was kind of expecting going into this is it's a pretty straightforward premise except for the whole freaky friday thing going on so i'm like okay that's going to be where the comedy comes in and then we're going to get the traditional slasher so I didn't have the highest or lowest of expectations. I mean, it wasn't something that anyone else that I know was like clamoring to get to. So I just figured it was going to be kind of a middle of the road, generally, hopefully entertaining kind of film. So I agree, even though I am a Vince Vaughn fan, I still went into this truthfully actually thinking that it'd be a borderline flop. It is hard, of course, to think of Vince Vaughn as a serial killer, but I I think that was almost the point, right? I figured there'd be a chance that it actually might have been pretty entertaining for me, considering the leads, considering that it's a Blumhouse film. And it's overall been a while since I've seen a horror comedy. Actually, I think maybe the last one I have seen is Happy Death Day, if we want to, you know, consider that. But like, going into it, I figured, all right, this is odd. I haven't really heard much about this film since its release date back in 2020. And also seeing that it was a house now in Halloween Horror Nights 2, it just seemed pretty off. I just figured, all right, maybe maybe it won't be so bad. I think there's a note of optimism I'm detecting there, which I can deeply appreciate. And I will say that that optimism actually carried through for my viewing. It was something where despite some some concerns I have about the movie, because it's not perfect by any means, there are some things I didn't I didn't enjoy. I still felt myself pleasantly surprised by how many different things I felt during its runtime. And none of it is so deep that it really sticks you with the hard stuff. But there are moments kind of like in a way that feel almost like formulaic and trying to recreate the Happy Death Day magic where you have this great comedy mixed with this really intense emotional heartstrings being pulled. But it doesn't go quite as far as Happy Death Day does, in my opinion. This is a really interesting mix between a a classic story that we all know, right? Body swapping. It seems very straightforward. But also this really fun take on slashers that almost makes fun of slashers in some way, in a way that I can appreciate, in a way that feels almost like a love letter too, and not just a complete slap in the face too, if that makes sense. It's one of those things where I found myself having a good time, except for a few key moments where I was like, okay, what the fuck are we doing here, Blumhouse? You should know better than this. That's uh, Those are interesting points for sure. I never really looked at it quite that way. And this is very basic. But one of my first reactions watching this film was, is what is with this? Is this like some prehistoric Jason Voorhees or some shit that's happening right now? I'm sure we'll, we can talk about in more detail later. But that was my initial reaction just watching the uh, the opening scenes. But, you know, when you say, Chris, that it's kind of making fun of slashers in a way, but not slapping you in the face or slapping the slasher genre in the face or whatever, never really looked at it that way. I honestly felt like I was watching like a Disney Channel horror movie. Like that's what I felt when I was watching the movie. That's That's kind of the initial reaction that I got. 
got. Um, and to what we've already said, right? Like, was this just a horror version of Freaky Friday or whatever that movie is with Lindsay Lohan, right? Like, it, that's uh, that's my initial thoughts. And I'm like, geez, I, I mean, I don't know. Not hardcore enough for you. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whatever that movie, perhaps Freaky Friday, um, starring whatever her name is. Maybe it's Lindsay Lohan. Sounds like somebody's familiar with the film. Just saying. I think it was actually your Freaky Thursday. Right. I didn't necessarily see it as like a Disney film. I actually found it to be like pretty funny um, and pretty entertaining. I think it was very clear that it was geared towards teens. And I think it was just really open and honest about that fact. And I think a lot of horror films try these days to cater to like every crowd. They want to be good for 14 year olds, but they also want to be good movies for 45 year olds. And like, that's, that's an admirable goal, but I just don't think this movie needed to do that. It was like, Hey, we can be really entertaining for, for teens. And if other people enjoy the hell out of it, like, why not? Yeah, I can see where. They are trying to cater to a lot of audiences. I think a lot of the writing and jokes definitely cater more on the younger side and are a little heavy on the Gen Z. But I enjoyed it. I was laughing from beginning to end in this movie. And I, like I said at the beginning, right, I expected this movie to be a comedy and only a comedy. I knew that there was that horror element, but I didn't really think it was going to actually, you know, see it through. And I was surprised when it was. Um, and so throughout, I can certainly see that this is that comfort movie for horror fans because it's lighthearted enough with the jokes, but you still slightly get your slasher fix. At least that's how I perceived it. Yeah. So we talk about like the who this movie is targeted to. Sure, it may be for young audiences, Mac, but 32-year-old me was lapping that shit right up. Because A, there's some solid gore in this movie. We get a kill in this movie that I was shocked to see. I didn't think we'd ever get another hot dog slice, and here we are. It's different. Yep. It's not yep. It's not the same hot dog slice, but I mean, literally and figuratively, kind of is. So that was all shocking. It's like Blumhouse said, hmm... We should probably spice this up a little bit, seeing how Black Christmas went the year before. That's kind of like the energy that I was getting. But I think one of the biggest things that really surprised me was the focus that we got on who the characters were, what their relationships were, and how, you know, two years after they remade Halloween and had three generations of women, how they take the bond between mother-daughter's sisters even and even friends and how that kind of carries the movie emotionally throughout its runtime in a way that didn't feel immediately obvious to me i really enjoyed the depth that that had without being so deep that it was like okay what are we doing this is a comedy and i think that was successful because of something that surprised me the performances here the performances and the dialogue the dialogue in a lot of these movies is really trash but i think this one was good it made things funnier but it also made things a little bit more emotional when it needed to but, you know, when Vince Vaughn is good, he's good. In this film, he has those moments where it's like, you're an entertaining fellow to watch on screen. Oh, you thought he was good here? <laughs> hey. Well, Vince Vaughn, he had, to, he had to like, he had to chill out a lot in this because he yeah. realized he was getting too emotional. So that's, that's awesome that they had to like be, go, hey, big guy, like feel free, be emotional, you know? And he, he still like really reined in. 
Sure thing, bud. You know, I, I, I agree with you, Mac. Like, one of the things that genuinely surprised me was that the, the acting really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be going into the film, right? Like, I was preparing myself for, like, really terrible B-movie vibes, and the acting was, the performances, to your point, were actually surprisingly good. I agree with all of you. Like, I did find myself having a decent time watching the movie. Like, there were some funny moments. It kept me entertained, yes, but it was surprisingly more comedy than I was signing up for. Look, obviously, I knew that Vince Vaughn's performance was going to be great, in my opinion, because I am a fan. But to your point, Mac, what you were saying, I think I was just so surprised that despite his celebrity and his big ticket name, right, it didn't overshadow the other supporting actors' performances either. I mean, Misha Osherovich, who plays Josh, incredible. The line delivery, his persona, just everything... He was the main one that had me laughing from beginning to end in a lot of parts. And then to that same point, in terms of it being kind of cheesy, but not really, I think it was a nice balance between the both that had me surprised in terms of the performances not um, being so extra and not really forcing the comedy either and not forcing the horror aspect either. It's the balances between the plot, the dialogue, the performances, everything I feel like was very even keel for this movie. Man, y'all are really enjoying Vince Vaughn here and I'm so happy for you. Uh, because I still found him to be a bit much. <laughs> Catherine Newton in this in this movie, I thought she was fantastic. And look, here's here's the thing, right? We can think of Vince Vaughn as the butcher, and we can think of Vince Vaughn as Butcher Millie, and then we can think of Catherine Newton as Millie, and then etc. Right? Like, so there's a lot of layers and a lot of duality there. I enjoyed Vince Vaughn as the butcher, but. I just wasn't sold as Millie. It felt a little over the top. And I think, obviously, this movie is not one that's trying to scare you. But it's one that I found myself able to laugh a little less at him. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just a thing between Vince Vaughn and I again, right? I don't think he's a bad actor. But he didn't sell this movie for me. Literally everybody else but him sold the movie for me. I'm sorry. Chris, I feel like we have a house divided on Vince Vaughn. I don't think we have a house divided. I think it's y'all three against me. I think it feels pretty <laughs> overwhelmingly positive for Vince Vaughn. Yeah, at first I thought you were saying you weren't sold on Vince Vaughn as the butcher, and I agree. I, I think Vince Vaughn as Millie was probably really great. The biggest surprise in this film was Mr. Bernardi, man. That is Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I was, uh, I was, I was genuinely excited when I saw that. I was excited when I saw him as well. Not so much for his character, unfortunately. Well, yes. That's honestly what made it funnier, though, is having an actor like that play a character like that. <laughs> and I, I think I'll go, I'll go with you, Sean. This is probably more humor than a lot of people maybe get out of their typical horror watch. And so, um, it does detract from how scary a film that you're, you're getting. I'm okay with that. I love a horror comedy uh, or a comedy horror, depending on the balance. So I'm, I'm okay with it, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's scary. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I don't know. I, I mean, I can get down with some horror comedies, whatever. I really like Shaun of the Dead, those kinds of movies. Right. But um, this movie was not scary at all. I mean, this felt like to what I said earlier, more of a comedy than anything. It really only felt like horror because there just happened to have kills in it. It's a it's a comedy, maybe a dark comedy, but maybe I don't know, just a comedy nonetheless. Even the antagonist to what we were just talking about, right, was not frightening in the slightest. I feel like we don't really even see the antagonist 
long enough at the beginning to even develop that kind of fear, in my opinion. Like I keep reiterating, this is a straight up comedy for me. So I didn't find it frightening whatsoever. Granted, there are some, you know, like tension building scenes and certainly some gore as well. So I would say brace yourself for that, right? But in terms of actual traditional fear and those kinds of elements, it just wasn't there for me. You say that the traditional elements that weren't there for you, but I found that the traditional elements of like all these like little slasher nods, motifs, uh, all the, the kind of like the tropes were embedded in there. Now, granted, this movie can only go so far in its or- originality, right? We get a Jason-esque kind of imposing figure. We get the Michael Myers head tilt after one of the early kills, right? We get a lot of nods to slashers that came before this. And yes, to some extent, hey, it's Freaky Friday, but make it horror. What a what a writing room idea. But that's as far as it goes. You know what I mean? So like, I had a good time. Did it need to be all that different? No. I think the most original thing he did was inf- infuse a little bit of that heartwarming familial element. But even then, we get that in Freaky Friday. So I don't think this movie is, is different from anything that you've seen, but that doesn't make it any worse for it. Okay. Yes. I have a hard time giving this film any originality points just because this is literally to that point, a plug-in storyline exported from movies like Freaky Friday or The Hot Chick and imported into a horror platform. That's how it felt for me. I can't give it that much originality points. And when we're talking about nods to horror movies, like we think of movies like Scary Movie, right? And I don't consider that a horror movie. I just consider that a, a comedy spoof. And that's what this kind of felt like to me. Wow, I completely forgot about The Hot Chick. Who the fuck am I? I can't forget about The Hot Chick. I already did. Phenomenal movie. I have to agree with you, Sean, in that that's why I was so surprised that this was picked. Right off the bat, I labeled it as a straight-up comedy. And I feel that way to some extent about some of my favorites, like Shaun of the Dead as well, which maybe skews a little more on the horror side, right? But ultimately, it's you go into that movie to get a laugh, and that's kind of how I feel about this movie. So in terms of originality points, I feel like we're maybe going to be unanimous on this one. But yeah, it's just not original, of course, because we've seen this before. You just say the word Freaky Friday, and you already know what's going to happen. But where maybe I could give just a slight bit of originality points is something that you said earlier, Chris, which is it is very self-aware in terms of what it's doing and paying homage to a lot of these traditional horror movies. And so it makes fun of that, right? Like in the sense it's being self-aware enough to say like, yeah, you've seen this plot, but not like this. And then it's also like, let's be dramatic and have some fun with these like slasher motifs while we're at it too. So I think it's kind of that I didn't really expect going to this movie. I'll agree. I don't think it needs to be necessarily wholly original. And I think that would actually defeat the point of this movie. I think it has to live in a space where it's pointing to things that you know and things that you love. It does serve its own killer. It serves, you know, its own storyline. But at the same time, it goes, Hey, this is all tying back to everything that you've seen. And I actually kind of like that this, this, this double ended end that we get. We get an end to the, to the teen romance comedy and we get an end to the horror film and it kind of feels like two ends because it kind of is but at the same time they they do tie together with character development and all that kind of garbage it really is two uh butt ends of the bread loaf really just keeping everything together in the bag i love that example but i agree mac like i think one of the things that this movie does best is a departure from the movie you expect it to be which is the movie it's been the entire time. And then it gives us a little bit of something different at the end that I don't think is so different. It's inconsistent with the rest of the movie, 
but it really delivers a satisfying moment for all parties involved. I can I can agree with the satisfaction of the ending. Do I think it it was um it, it was a success, like a grand success? No, it did leave you with some satisfaction. I definitely felt like, you know, that that last last end felt like, you know, maybe paying homage to like Black Christmas or something like that where they're coming together to kill the antagonist. Like that felt pretty cool, but like, you know, other than that, I don't know if it really just did the whole film justice. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Mac, in terms of the ending, providing that time to put like a bow on top of the character development. I think at first when I got maybe the first ending-ish, right, in terms of the teen, I was like, all right, cliche. I mean, of course, we kind of had an idea of how this was going to end to some extent, but it was all right. And then that second ending, I was like, hmm, okay, I suppose. You know, I it, it kind of felt a little bit flat, but again, a comedy sometimes has that element. And then I just didn't really have high expectations for the ending, considering we've seen this before. Well, our feelings on the ending aside, there's a lot for us to chew on and a lot for us to consider as we move towards our rating of this movie. But before we get there, Sean, how would you describe the gore score? You know, there's there is some really good gore in this film. The film isn't the goriest of gory films. You do see some gore though, and then there are some kills that are gorier than others. But to your surprise, to my surprise, we do get a new hot dog slice scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about coming up in the second half. But overall, I would give this film, um, you know, like a medium gore score. I don't think it's it's gory enough to get a high gore score. It's not low enough to get a low gore score. I think you see just enough blood to break through to that happy medium. And what about the animal report? I am happy to report that we are safe. No animals were harmed in this film, but we actually do get quite the one-liner thanks to one. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. Freaky from 2020, as chosen by our patrons. Was it a hacker or a slash? I'll go first, because uh, I've seen this before, and so I knew what to expect in, in this viewing. But I love this movie. It's one of, I think, the best true-to-form slashers we've seen in decades. Um, I think that's, it's on purpose that it, it sticks to the genre and sticks to the, to the formula. It's also just a camptastically hilarious horror movie, um, or horror comedy, I guess you could say. The kills, I think they're better than plenty of some, uh, non-comedy slasher flicks that we've actually watched recently. The cinematography is great. The lighting, the colors, the script, the casting, it's, it's all just solid. Um, I think it's just simply fun. And even on a second viewing, I still laughed at the humor and I enjoyed the plot. It's a slash. Okay. So. Look, is this the worst movie ever? No. In fact, I'm kind of torn on this one, honestly. Um, Is it a great horror movie? No. I think it barely scrapes by as a horror movie in general. I think this had its moments, and I can see how some can enjoy the film overall, right, to your point, Mac, but I can't ignore that it just didn't feel like a horror movie to me. This is a tough one because there was some fun stuff in the film, but here's the problem. I'm not, I'm not on here reviewing comedy films, right? Didn't feel campy in the way that campy horror feels to me. It just didn't feel like it was enough of a horror movie. It was a dark comedy for sure. Ultimately, I have to think about it like this, right? Was this film a total joke? Maybe not a total joke, but it still was kind of a joke, right? Um, was this film a total waste of time? I did kind of feel like I wasted my time on this one. So the film is at its best when it's spoofing the horror genre. And I think for that, I have to hack this film. It was a tough one. I don't think it's the hackiest of hacks, right? But I think it is still a hack deep down inside. Oof. You know, you really got me with that reference to the fact that we're here to review horror movies, not necessarily comedy. And so I, in a sense, 
agree that at the beginning of this film, I just thought this was going to be a hack for me because I thought, okay, how horror is this going to be actually? And felt like a little cliche and overplayed in terms of Freaky Friday. But then, you know, I thought again, like I said, as a lover of Shaun of the Dead and even Zombielands and those kinds of movies, I I should have seen it coming. But it's just that nowadays, I feel like comedies in general don't really land like they used to. And so this movie, to me, was actually a great surprise. I, I even recommended this movie to two of my best friends that aren't extremely into horror because it hits all the audiences just right, in my opinion. I think that Vince Vaughn did absolutely amazing and Catherine Newton was one hell of a baddie. But there are lots of one-liners that I can find myself referencing after the fact. And even the kills to me were extremely satisfying. So I feel like it took the overplayed Freaky Friday plot and actually delivered it in, honestly, a freakishly good way. That's a slash. Okay, so so far we're at two slashes and one hack. Here's the thing about Freaky. It's not a perfect movie. I don't even know that I'm fully sold on Vince Vaughn being in this movie. But what I will say is that this is a tight and polished Blumhouse production. I think if this was any less gory, I think if it was any less well shot, I think if Catherine Newton didn't punch so above her weight class, I think this could have very easily been a hack. But I think about something that you say, Banks, when you talk about like being able to recommend this to people who aren't that into horror... This is the perfect gateway drug. This is in the collection of horror that I will use. Let's say I am hanging out with somebody who, like many people in my life, don't like horror at all and can't stomach much of anything. This is a good sampler. This is a good let's get your feet wet and get you going in the right direction. I am not someone who really likes comedies. Some horror comedies I'm into, right? We talk about Shaun of the Dead, a personal favorite of mine, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. This didn't feel so much on the comedy side that I had to even be concerned about it. It feels like it's a slasher that's paying reverence to the genre and also just trying to be a lighthearted good time. While it's not my favorite horror comedy I've seen in recent years, it's absolutely a slash. And with that, Freaky from 2020, as nominated by our patrons, has earned three slashes and one very firm hack. Now, you can find this movie available for rent or streaming online, so go check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can unpack this film together. We'll see you in a bit. Accidentally cursed yourself and your loved ones? Feeling like life is one big, never-ending nightmare? Look no further. Curse Reverse is here to help. We're the leading counter-curse protection agency in the business, and we're dedicated to making your life easier and less cursed. We're the only ones who can help you in your most desperate hour. Simplifying the undoing of inadvertent curse casting is our specialty. We're experts in restoring body swaps from ancient sacrifices, unsinking sunken ships, removing bad luck from pillaged jewelry, and preventing accidental death and dismemberment if you've been cast in a cursed production. We know how frustrating it can be when life and ancient blade-wielding serial killers seem to be conspiring against you. That's why we offer our unparalleled success rate. 66% of the time, it works every time with guaranteed protection, sometimes. Curse Reverse. If we can't reverse the curse, we'll comp you 50% off the price of one hearse for use in your inevitable funeral. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Freaky, which has earned three slashes and one hack. 
Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, Sean, take us through the kills. Okay, so there is a decent amount of kills in this film. We have a total of 11 kills throughout the film. There are some decent kills. You know, some of the iffies, right, is that you don't get to see all of them the whole way through, and or maybe some of them are so quick that it kind of takes away from the pizzazz, if you will. Some of the best kills came from the very beginning of the film, outside of the fact that we do get a new hot dog slice in this film. This hot dog slice, this version of it, was like a more efficient way of slicing through someone than the way that Art did it in Terrifier. We use a table saw in this one versus Art doing it the old-fashioned way and really putting some elbow grease into it. Leave it to a woman to do things the right way. Have to agree. It's logic, right? You don't you don't want to sit there hacking away, hacking, hacking. You got this table saw. You can just let the machine do the work and just push that body through and just slice right on in. I want to point out that the hot dog journey is Ryan would be art when she was in med school and pre-med. But now that she's woodworker Ryan, she'd be Butcher Millie. And that'd be her approach to the hot dog slice. This content, uh, these movies are evolving with Ryan's journey in her career. That's amazing. But I'm curious, what was your all's favorite kills? I have to say, you just said it now, Mr. Bernardi really was my favorite kill. As a Terrifier fan, clearly I ate that hot dog slice in reverse right up. It was amazing. I was like jaw to the ground, outright clapping because I just was not prepared. And to be honest, the moment that this character was introduced, I was just counting down the minutes for him to get hacked. And gosh, it was so satisfying, truly. I I gotta say though, I wasn't entirely sure how believable that kill was going to be considering, you know, the butcher is in Millie's body, but the execution on this one wasn't too far-fetched. Um, maybe until the table saw part where he's pushing Mr. Bernardi, right? But I'll overlook it. It was still fantastic. It was definitely, it was definitely efficient. That's for sure. I mean, I, I, I'll agree that the logistics were suspect until you kind of see how things are broken down and see the fact that the butcher has a hard time actually executing the kill and you like he really has to rely on on other skills than just brute strength in in that scene which is more more enjoyable my favorite kill is a simple one it's the good old-fashioned wine bottle down the throat uh because wow what a kill that was so good and just to see it just getting shoved farther and farther and see the throat just like you see the bottle going into the throat and just exploding through that yeah that was really really good Okay, so there are several great kills in this movie, and you've taken my top two. I want to go ahead and throw one out for the Blissfield Butcher himself, because the emotional satisfaction of Millie just really stomping that piece of wood right through his chest, chef's kiss. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. My favorite kill aside from the new hot dog slice, right, would have been what you were saying with Isaac, right, uh, Mac? My runner up would actually be Ryler getting froze to death in that like what it, what is what are those called like the cryogenic chamber? Yeah. Cryogenic chamber or whatever and then just falling and shattering into pieces like that was pretty fucking cool. Bro, it was Jason X. Hell yeah. It was Jason in space. That's why okay, an homage to Slasher's past. Well, I, I got to say the the most interesting thing to look at in this film was actually not a kill for me. And it was honestly before a lot of the kills. Uh, it's, it's Millie and the butcher in the parking lot before the action begins. 
The lighting, the shadowing, the glowing we get, the stillness of it all. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a that's a good one for sure. And just to play off of that and just kind of not to make it more broad, if I had to pick a favorite visual element from the film, really, I guess I would say visually the movie overall just looked really great, right? Like the way it was shot, the lighting, the colors throughout the film, all just very easy on the eyes. And there were some really, really good scenes that came out of that, especially that scene where the curse has taken effect, where Millie is in her bedroom and the flashing, uh, you know, colors colors within the room and the lighting in the room and then going to the sky with the stormy sky like everything just looked really cool oh for sure man there's so much in this movie that stands out beautifully even down to the slow-mo of butcher millie entering the school for the first time with all the confetti for homecoming but i think my favorite one is just a really simple little something it's the way that this movie plays with its reflections specifically there's a point where millie has the knife and it's Butcher Millie at this point, but we see the reflection. It's something that I think Blumhouse is, we're seeing a lot of in these Blumhouse films, because again, we saw it in Halloween Ends earlier this year, but I love a moment of seeing the killer or a victim inside the reflection of an object. It's just something that is chilling to me. To me, that was an obvious visual choice to make. Like The killer enjoys their new body, and they've, they're looking at themselves in the mirror like they're holding a big shiny knife. If they're not going to stab somebody with it, like you have to have them looking at their own self, you know, in, in the big shiny knife. Like, why would you not? I am here to say again, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show who I am inside? This is another movie where that song applies. And I love that. For me, visually, it's a little bit of the score. I really liked the score surrounding this body swap scene. I really also agree that the effects, the the builds up, the lighting for that entire scene was just amazing. But I also want to point out, it's maybe a little bit of a visual element, just but also a little bit to the writing as well. Both of them paired created those slight bits of moments where you find the making fun of these slashers, one of them being these chases um, and the running. I really liked the camera direction and how it slightly pivots enough where you can see, you know, the butcher in Millie's body and how he's running in this physical acting. And there's another scene maybe towards the end where butcher Millie is so stiff when she's chasing these people, you know, Josh and them. And, and she's so stiff in the walking. It's just so great and very subtle, but so well thought out in terms of even considering the physical acting and what you're trying to tell in terms of the story without dialogue. I do. I do love a good big lumbering oaf as a killer. Like I hate watching killers run. That just let them take their time. And it's so enjoyable uh, for them to do that. And it is kind of a nice little touch there to have the character, even though acted by two different people, stay true to themselves the whole way through. There was quite a bit in this movie that I did not enjoy visually. And that was two two elements in particular. The 3D title cards, except for one shot, and then the CGI in the sky and the reveal of the temple. Like It worked enough to get the job done. It wasn't the worst part of the movie by any means, but it still didn't feel great to me. And it was a point where the 3D title cards looked okay up until the morning that Millie wakes up and then we get a Thursday the 12th over a bright screen. It's like, oh, wow, wow, this looks terrible. What are you doing? Which title card was worse? 
Thursday the 12th or Friday the 13th? Oh, no, for sure Thursday the 12th because it looked the worst. At least Friday the 13th had a f- had funny comedic timing when he was looking in the mirror. Yeah, it looked like someone just put it on Canva and threw it on top of the movie. I didn't necessarily like that at all. That was a part of where I was leaning more towards, all right, this is what I'm expecting. Uh, It's not going to be that great of a movie. Leaning more towards the hack. But funny that you mentioned that CGI part and the temple, because I think that was something that I kind of enjoyed. I was like, wow, all right, now we see a little bit of what the mystery or the lore behind this dagger is. And that's probably as much as we get in the movie anyways. But I, I enjoyed it. It almost was a little bit too much for me because it was like giving it a social and like ethnic context. I don't think it really truly needed to, it just didn't need to go that deep. It was just like, here's this ancient dagger. It stabs things, things happen. That's enough. Like the, it, it felt very like child's play when we get the whole like cloud situation going on, except child's play did it better with practical effects. Give me the power, I beg of you. I guess it also was just, it was the implication, you know, where the hell does this movie take place? Somewhere in the Midwest? Implication that uh, beneath this football field long ago was an Aztec temple. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, if we don't think too hard about it, like, it's fine. Like, again, this movie is not the kind of movie that you should be sitting around poking holes at, right? Like, realistically, let's just let that shit slide. It wasn't the worst part, but also it was a little bit of, eh. It does make sense, though, because it was rich white parents who obviously bought things and then collected them to show how much money they had. So, like, it it added up in the end because I feel like this movie was poking a lot of fun at people socially also. Appropriation. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, I got to talk about a scene, though, because this is both my favorite scene and the most cringiest, grossest scene in the movie. And it's Millie. In the body, right? The in, in in Vince Vaughn's body. No fucking way. And Booker in the car. Okay, my favorite oh. scene. This <laughs> was pure comedic genius. One hundred percent of the way through. And then they actually kissed. And it almost became for me the worst part of the movie. But I just like the comedy value just absolutely outweighed the cringe. Uh it was so so good. I I agree. It was one of the best scenes in the movie. It was so hilarious watching watching that scene play out. And I just kept feeling like, man, how awkward was it making this scene with Vince Vaughn being probably twice the age of this kid? And they're just like, I mean, I'm. you could probably tell by the way it was played out that they probably didn't actually kiss, but just the whole way through. But And, and the conversation they were having, hey, Vince Vaughn did a great job to to me, I know you. some might disagree in this film. He did a great job playing like a teenage girl, and it just became really funny. That would have been probably one of my favorite scenes for sure. My runner up, I guess, would have to be, um, would have to be the scene where they're, where Josh and Nyla, I believe, are running from Millie, right? In the butcher's body through the cafeteria of the school. And they're, they're just trying to get away. And, and then Josh like throws the, the tater tots at him. And he's just like, really? It was just so hilarious. That whole scene that helped that played out. It was just too much. I'll hold my scene for just a moment because I'm sure Binks has more to say on the topic. But I was with that scene at the point where Millie said, technically, you'd be kissing a whatever old serial killer with yellow teeth. And I'm like, yeah, thank you for pointing out the reality of the fucking situation. And I know that you all probably think it's so good. 
But all I could see in that scene was my gag reflex getting triggered and throwing up. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Fuck no, dude. Like, Oh, come on. That was too cringe for me. No. I also wasn't totally sold on the, you're still Millie to me. And again, maybe this is just me. Maybe because my mom's nickname is Millie. It was it was just fucking weird. It was just real fucking weird. I wasn't I wasn't down for it, Booker. Booker Strode, by the way. Really loved that little Easter egg. That was a fantastic Easter egg. But listen, it's the fact that they make fun of that exact trope, right? Like that's how I perceived it. They they literally take that typical trope. The moment that he said, can I go in the back seat? I'm going to literally paint you a tail. I'm watching mm-hmm. this movie on my couch. He says, "I can I make it to the back seat? I shifted up. I'm on the edge of my yeah. couch at this point. I'm like, no, no, they're not doing it. They're not doing it because it's impossible, right? Like, this isn't going there. And then we see the scene play out. And to your point, Chris, when he <laughs> says like he'd be kissing, you know, someone, you know, with yellow teeth, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay. They're not going to do it. Oh, they're doing he shifts it. shifts forward. The kiss happens. I audibly screamed. My puppy reacted. It was a whole thing. I was laughing uncontrollably because, wow, talk about committing to a bit. (laughs) And they really freaking did it. So look, my favorite scene has nothing to do with any of that. In fact, it couldn't be any less to do with Booker and Millie in the butcher body because my favorite scene is actually Butcher Millie kicking ass and throwing down against the three jocks that thought it'd be okay to feed her alcohol and quote unquote do the math with the number of holes she has and look in that moment obviously we know that butcher millie is a real villain of the story we shouldn't be rooting for her but i have never fucking rooted for someone more and when she brought out the fucking chainsaw and when we see that motherfucker decapitated at one point i'm like hell yeah girl do it love it i was there for it it was so satisfying in a moment where it was almost like butcher millie was a vigilante here's what would have been like a, a good moment for me if butcher millie you know being in that body got to see how millie was and all that stuff and we talk about fixing it was really just taking vengeance. Really, the the ones that she hurts, the ones that he hurts in her body, do happen to be the people who terrorize her and torment her. But it feels more like coincidence and less like an intentional choice. I would have loved to see them lean further into the intentional choice, kind of like what we get a little bit of in the Chucky series. Definitely, definitely. I had a feeling this scene was going to come up because this was honestly one of the cringiest like scenes, not the kills. The kills were justified, right? But I couldn't believe that that line happened and that whole scene, that whole scenario happened. I had a, I had a hard time with it. I was like, is this fucking for real? And, but you know, I did enjoy watching all those fuckers die. I will say. Yeah. There's that moment of it. And then there is the, Thinly veiled homophobia, the self-loathing when we have the kiss and the F slur dropped. I'm sorry. There's just no fucking place for it. Plumhouse, yeah. you, 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 you were too comfortable here. You overstayed your welcome. Take that shit right back. Yeah, you overstepped. So another favorite scene of mine, it's a small moment, very small, but I'm remembering now that I was laughing. I even paused the movie because, gosh, we'll get into characters in just a second, but when... Millie, as the butcher, puts her sister 
in the cell and she starts to quickly be like, I'm so sorry that your, your pet died and all of these things and like the mannerisms that she's trying to be like, I'm just so sorry. And I just can't stand Charlene as a character. I'm so sorry, but I really can't, can't stomach her. I gotta be real, can't. But just the back and forth very quickly between them, just that small bit of her trying to like quickly justify that she really is Millie, but you gotta stay in that cell. I was like, great, no more Charlene, but also, wow, that was a quick like, it's really me. And here's how I'm going to tell you it's really me, but I got a blast. Goodbye. So you didn't like Charlene. I did not. I need to know why. You need to know why? I'm still trying to discover why, truthfully. It's something, is it the acting? It's something about as an older sister, I just didn't really buy into, not myself as an older sister, but imagining myself as an older sister. I didn't really buy into the way that she was trying to advocate for Millie. It just seems very surface level. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like she just was trying to be that character or the actress or just the writing tried to make it seem like she was that person, but barely scraped the surface. And she's supposed to be a police officer that like wasn't really dominating or, or I don't know, she just seems like a B type officer. <laughs> I don't know if that exists, but that. <laughs> because she is this movie's slightly more competent Dewey Riley. Oh. I was just about to say it. Officer no, fucking Dewey. What? No. Yeah. I love Dewey. In that context, sure. It's just that maybe she needed to be a little more on screen. I think that the the dialogue that was given to her just didn't bring that out. Like it, that wasn't at the forefront for me. I think Dewey obviously has a lot of lines and 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 the or rather the lines that he does get, it provides that kind of comedy. It provides that like lovable nature. Nothing about Charlene screamed, "Oh, the older sister, love her." That's just me. I don't know. Okay, so it's fun because I have three notes on characters that were dumb. And then my first note on them together was I can already tell I'm going to love Millie and Char's relationship because specifically, like I'm the youngest of five. And while it isn't necessarily my sisters who do this, but I have had the older sibling who kind of goes to bat for you and tries to like release you from the claws of being sheltered. I loved that dynamic between them and I saw it, what I continued to feel was like the argument, right? So like she is disappointed in her mother. We think about how the trauma has hit the whole family and we see Shar's disappointment with her mom and having to step up and kind of be a little bit of a mom, but also kind of like a little bit of the cool aunt who's just trying to give her kid sister a break. But then we hear that argument between Millie's mom and her older sister while Millie's in the tub. Think about the guilt her mom must feel and the frustration that Char has because she is seeing her mom's substance abuse and she's just so sick of it, right? And I just think about how, you know, obviously this is them losing their dad. And again, I guess back-to-back episodes where we talk about a family being struck by grief after they <laughs> lose a dad. Honestly. Right? Yeah. Family trauma up in here. I guess this is just me unpacking my dad issues. <laughs> but I think about how my siblings responded after my dad left and like had his whole secret family, right? So obviously my dad didn't die. It's not the same situation. But I did have an older sibling who stepped up a little bit differently and was a little bit more protective and was a little bit more combative. 
And while she's an imperfect character, I actually really enjoyed her. I loved her. I loved Millie. And I loved Nyla. But who I couldn't fucking stand was the absolute caricature of Josh. He said like three or four things. And I'm like, all right, I'm fucking, I'm not a fan. I can't do it. It It's like this insidious, sinister, everything that I can say can be a passive aggressive compliment to you. But it's okay, hon. I fucking hate it. Interesting. So I would agree. I love Nyla. And what you were saying about Char, I actually kind of felt that about Nyla in terms of protecting her. I mean, right in maybe even 10, 15 minutes into the movie, I think, is when she says that monologue to Millie about, you know, choose like choosing herself, essentially. And I feel like that really set the tone for who Millie was going to be in her character arc. So I really was rooting for that friendship. But so interesting you say that about Josh, because I think for him, my first impression of him was, oh, not good. Didn't really like his opening bit or his line at all. Thought that was very rough. And to our earlier point in terms of Blumhouse, like, what are you doing? And I'll I'll get to that maybe later on. But as far as everything else, I think he really like stood out. And maybe it is the actor per se that really just in his mannerisms, in his delivery, the lines that he was given in terms of comedy, he said them and like with such conviction and such savagery that I was like jaw dropped at some points when he walks into that theater and he says something along the lines of like, it was a bloodbath or something like, like so insensitive, so savage, but maybe... I, I guess it was more along the lines of like, I gravitated towards him because I was just so sh- so shocked that he was actually saying the things that he was saying. Yeah, I think for sure the character was well performed. I think he 100% nailed everything that they were going for. I think for me, I tire of the gay best friend trope. I think I'm just a little exhausted by that. And I'm just like, all right, can we just like, can we just lay off of that for a little bit? You know what I mean? But that's just a personal thing. I think it's also this, okay, we talk about like, he makes the joke about all the men in that town realizing they're fluid uh, during a certain point. And she calls him out for being a little assaulty. And then he's like, whatever, he kind of just shakes it off. It just, it felt in poor taste. And I think that in that, in in combination with what we get in moments later in the movie, I was just like, I'm not sold on you, Josh. Like he got better towards the end, but man, he started off real bad for me and never quite redeemed himself. Josh definitely seems like people that I know in real life, like multiple people that I know in real life. And I don't know if that's what makes it necessarily tough to watch sometimes, but I, I did find a lot of comedic value in the character. Um, I, you know, the actor, they did, they did an amazing job. Obviously I think a character I didn't respond well to was Ryler mostly because I think that character was designed to be hated. And so that's probably on purpose that you just don't like her. And so if, if that's the case, like good job, because I think it's, it's the typical female bully teen that people think exists, but I don't know that that's the actual female bully teen that's in the real world. You know, when I think of what this movie was doing, I think of, you know, this high school kind of vibe, right? I think that some of these characters, you know, I, you know, I, I haven't been in high school in quite some time, but I look back at being in high school and I can see some of these characters from when I was in high school, and I kind of can not relate to the characters, but I can kind of see where they're going with the characters. I do outside of that, like none of them really resonated with me that much. I did find some entertainment value throughout the film with each of these characters in some way or some form. I do think that Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn did a great job in the film. I think they portrayed each other 
uh, within each other's bodies, right? I think that was absolutely fantastic and hilarious. I, I really do. I think uh, I think Vince Vaughn watching him try to play like a teenage girl within himself was hilarious. I think that Catherine Newton trying to be like Vince Vaughn inside of her and be a serial killer was awesome. Like I think the two of them did a pretty phenomenal job. What's What's great about that is I think the actress actually ran into that like how do I play you Vince? Right. And so they went back and forth and Vince Vaughn is like, you're not playing me, right? You're not trying to copy my mannerisms. You're trying to play the butcher and I'm playing the butcher. And so they had to come together and make decisions based on what the character would do, how the character would act, which is a brilliant way to go about it because it's like, if I'm trying to act as this other actor would act, right. It's not going to work necessarily because there's a, there's a lot of differences, but like that intensity of the look that you get with the butcher in Millie's body. I don't know that that's the same intensity you get with Vince Vaughn as you know, who's as, as when Vince is playing the butcher. Sure. I think the character itself still feels pretty true. I think a little bit more sinister actually when in Millie's body for sure. But I think that was, it was good how they, how they approached that, like a really smart way of ensuring that we're not just trying to like do a nose twitch the same way we're not trying to walk with a limp on the left leg in the same way or something like that it's like we're just trying to approach this however the character would and i think it played out really well on screen i agree i think i also just want to take a moment to point out in the midst of this very serious conversation how fucking stupid Ginny was for not just staying hidden in that panel girl could have been scot-free sorry just had to throw that out there people make dumb decisions in horror movies that's what makes it fun that's exactly it that was one of the many just you know right up self-aware jokes so so poorly decided on there are definitely some some really poor decisions and one of the ones that is like partially a worst part of the movie for me was the cops firing up into the air multiple times so char does that right the deputies in the old lighthouse or whatever the heck they're in the old uh the old mill uh firing up into the air with like a crowd of people like they're not gonna do that because the bullets come down somewhere like that's if they're gonna fire their bullet it's to take a human being down and so that that bothered me but it's i don't think it's the worst part of this film i i think it's honestly the the scene that sean mentioned it's it's do the math millie I think that is probably the worst part of the film. I don't know if it's the line that bothered me. I think dispatching those three individuals was absolutely a great part of the film. And like those kills are fantastic. But that that line just stings when you hear it. And it's just so gross. 1000%. That is my worst part of the movie. In fact, it's also the moment that Josh has pretty close to that moment. This is a movie that walked in a particular direction and thought we can balance comedy with seriousness and give you some really compelling performances from Millie, uh, from Vince Vaughn as Millie, from the mother and thinking about all this grief. And then it thought, hey, let's just go down this random fucking direction. And it's like you didn't handle it well enough to like really provide any level of care. You just gave us a reason to root against them, but we didn't even need that to root against them. They're just assholes. We would have been fine without it. Yeah, I think what I just really found distasteful and unnecessary were both of those scenes and the way that they were delivered. I think the jock trope speaks for itself. There's no need to take it that far. And as far as Josh's line at the beginning, like I said, and I think actually this is possibly the joke that our patron Ashley was referring to when she nominated this film in terms of, you know, the drunk, straight men possibly discovering that they're queer 
I mean, Nyla says it herself that it sounds rapey and it's just like, then why is this written in? I don't, I just don't understand why that was needed to explain that perhaps where they're living maybe doesn't have a strong gay community. I just didn't see how a rape joke twice in this movie was necessary. Exactly. Exactly. It's really just all in fucking poor taste. And it loses with that any of the goodwill it did up until that point. Which I find so interesting that we're like even discussing those parts of a film that is only what about to be two, maybe three years old. Like how is this even still being written into movies? All I gotta say is you all slash this film. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not that. <laughs> Don't hit me with that. Hey, I'm I'm hearing a lot of resentment right now. <laughs> you slashed the film. I hacked it. If I had to pick a best part of the film, it has to be, for me, Vince Vaughn playing Millie. I just thought it was too good to go unnoticed. It was funny. It was hilarious. But that, in and of itself, is the problem. The best part of the film was the comedy, and not the campy kind of comedic humor that you get out of good horror movies, right? It's just pure comedy, and that's... I don't know. That just takes away from the horror of it all for me. First of all, I can go ahead and take my sunglasses off because that is plenty of shade. (laughs) Secondly, I will appreciate the comedy because I think good comedy in a horror movie can elevate it. And so that's, we do get those moments in this, in this film where it really, the two of them together makes it such a better film for sure. I, I think the moments where we have no horror, but some comedy are okay. The moments where we have comedy, but no horror are okay. But I think when we get the two together, that's when it like just really kind of takes off. I just want to say, obviously, I gave my worst part of the movie. But a low-key best part of the movie was Millie's look with the blonde ponytail and the red leather jacket. Because can I tell you how much my heart was like melting going through this house and seeing all these beautiful women dressed like her at Halloween Horror Nights? Honestly, it's a great look. If we ever got a sequel to this or a follow-up to this in any kind of way, we need some more red leather jackets in the mix because that shit was excellent. I'm going to tell you right now that if the thrift stores and the Goodwills and all of these things uh, don't have red leather jackets, it's because everyone that's seen this movie has already taken it. And I'm on the hunt. If you've got a red leather jacket, hit me up. So obviously, I've seen this twice, right? I could see myself watching it again. Would any of you go for a second viewing like I did? I think I would. I think I need to really have it in good company, not in terms of who I'm watching it with, but I need to watch this along with like Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You and the 2019 Black Christmas. I need something to balance that shit right out. Okay. So, you know, going into this, right, I I would have thought maybe I would probably highly doubt that I would ever watch this film again. But you all have made some really good points in peeling some of the layers of what it's like paid homage to, right? And maybe, uh, maybe I was too hyper-focused on comedy and comedy overshadowing horror to not appreciate the different things that it did as it pays respects to the horror genre. So, not not saying that I was wrong, but I do think that maybe I need to give it a rewatch, maybe a rewatch or two at some point just to see if my thought process changes. It didn't feel like it was really something that I was vibing with, but I think I definitely, I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but I definitely think that I owe it to myself and maybe to this podcast to just watch it one more time see if anything changes, and who knows? Maybe this is one I'll take back. I just want to point out that you're the one who hacked this movie. And we've come full circle. 
I just wanted to really hit the table's turn on that moment. Or you could be like Zach and give it up to five rewatches. Yeah, I got to watch it a little, like four more times just to just to be sure. Look, I, I think there's certainly some rewatchability to this movie. I think now having had a couple of context and, and awareness to those two scenes that we talked about in particular, might just skip on over, you know, hit that 10 seconds forward button. But, you know, it, ultimately, I think if you're in the mood to like, have a simple watch comfort movie to like have in the background couple of laughs here and there the plot is so simple and so obvious and for the overarching theme that it's just a good thing to kind of just put on and watch so i find myself doing that maybe not in the next couple of weeks or so but you know maybe later on on a rainy day but ultimately it's a freaky friday film right so i feel like it's going to it's going to make its rotation one way or another okay but what is the pipeline for getting us from Mean Girls to Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen to Freaky Friday to Freaky to Scream Queens, the TV series? To Jennifer's Body. Yes, to Jennifer's Body. I think you just created my you created my whole lineup. Holy shit. Wait, I got it. So you know how Star Wars has the machete order? That's the cachete's order. Well, it's good to know we have some rewatchability on the horizon, but let's see if we can tide you over with any value from Factor Fiction. Number one, Vince Vaughn towers over the teens as the butcher, but he's only seven inches taller than Catherine Newton. It sounds tricky, right? Because I, I do think Vince Vaughn is a tall person. So I think that is a fact. I don't know how the tricky thing is. I don't know how tall Catherine Newton is. I'm going to go fiction just on premise of that. Vince Vaughn is an extremely tall guy. There is no way on this planet that it's just if that's the case, I'm shooketh. That's going to going to be another thing that's going to keep me up at night. That's straight up fiction. It is straight up fiction. He's 6'5 and she is 5'5. Five five. He's super tall. Number two, in the scene where Millie falls in the auditorium in the body of the butcher, Vince Vaughn twisted his ankle filming the final take and had to try to hide a slight limp while filming other scenes. Going back to what I just said about him being extremely tall, I feel like perhaps he's also clumsy. So I'm going to go actually with fact on this one. I think I think I do have to agree with you. Um, you know, he is tall. Tall people can be clumsy. He didn't look like he was in the greatest shape in this movie. I'm going to go fact. You know, Sean really just said tall people can be clumsy as if he spoke that from experience being a very tall man. I am tall. He's got one inch on me. So, you know, but I'm, I don't know. I don't think I'm out there spraining ankles all day, but I'm also not chasing people around trying to kill him either. Well, this one's fiction. Uh, the fall was not planned. Vince Vaughn slipped on a prop, lost his balance, uh, but he's a freaking pro. So he just got up, didn't break character, and they used it in the film. I'm sure his ankle was okay, though. Just put some ice on it. would be good. Legend has it. It's still swollen to this day. <laughs> Number three. The script originally called for the butcher in Millie's body to wear clothes like a corset, lace, and heels. Uh, that just seems like... That just seems... That just seems like another cringy element of, like, a serial killer in the body of a teenage girl and really just trying to, like enjoy it in all the wrong ways and i don't know i i'm gonna i'm gonna go oh man my heart wants to go fiction because that just doesn't seem like it would be in good taste but it might be a fact so i'm gonna go fact the thing is is that considering that they've already done two things in poor taste the likelihood that that i know was their thought is pretty high so i'm actually gonna go with i know fact and i'm scared with that answer okay this is a fact oh thankfully 
Catherine Newton and Christopher Landon got together and realized, first of all, what dude is going to put on some heels, right? True. So they were like, no, dudes will not do that. They're going to they're gonna go simple. You know, that's why we get a shirt, some jeans, and a leather jacket. I'm already suspicious of the makeup. Yeah, that was very sus. Oh, yeah. And number four, this isn't the only time Vince Vaughn has tried to get freaky. Vince Vaughn auditioned for the role of Ryan in Freaky Friday from 2002, uh, who was Jamie Lee Curtis's character's fiance, but was ultimately deemed too damn young and skipped in favor of Mark Harmon. Interesting. I, I don't have too much to say about this one. I'm just going to shoot for the stars and say fiction. I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis could definitely snatch a young Vince Vaughn. So <laughs> justice for Jamie Lee Curtis on that one. I'm going to say fact on that principle alone. So this is a fiction because Chris and I just made it up. Um, but we did have to double check first uh, to make sure that Vince Vaughn wasn't like in the background of the film somewhere in like a like a small role. Well, that's been fact or fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. Freaky from 2020 has earned three slashes and one hack. Now, while we certainly had a robust discussion here, it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. So let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our Discord. Click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, a crocodile tear doesn't excuse your poor planning. Fair enough. Thank you.